0: All right, hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson. Joining me today is... Peter Westy-Salmon. Coming to us live from the nation's capital.
1: Yeah, Ottawa. Just in case anybody globally <laughs> wasn't aware of that,
0: <laughs> is that a Canadian bacon reference? Because they they joke about how Rio Perman is taken to the capital and John Candy, and everybody thinks it's Toronto. Exactly. So they go to Toronto. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, there was also on that Disney Plus, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Pamela Anderson, doc that was completely inaccurate too about uh, our capital or <laughs> something like
0: that. I haven't Disney made it. Disney doesn't care. Disney I- doesn't care. i I haven't made it that far into the show i watched the first couple of episodes but uh good good to know we're we're keeping the 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 tommy lee and pamela miniseries straight. End credits is a local movie show for local movie fans we're here every wednesday at 3 p.m to talk about the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies which this week will be the new sci-fi dino action movie jurassic world dominion which you can now see in a theater near you, including both the theaters here in Guelph or both the Cineplex theaters here in Guelph, hasn't made it to the bookshelf yet. Insert laugh track here. Um. Oh, it'll it'll probably <laughs> be a while. <laughs> I I'm just I, I I highly doubt that it's going to ever open at the bookshelf. That's not uh, not their cup of tea, as it were. Um. So for the first part of the show here, uh, we thought we would play a homage to the first Jurassic Park, which came out in 1993, by talking about some of the other uh, favorite movies that came out in 1993, which is now almost 30 years ago. Um, I remember uh, going to the theater to see Jurassic Park. It was kind of a big deal. Um, I remember
1: not recall that
0: but uh <laughs> i hope it was fun no of course it was fun um seeing jurassic park on the big screen when you're how old was i 13 14 oh
1: so you could have gone by yourself uh, that would be fun
0: well i think i went with all my sisters and i went uh <laughs> with a parent because it was it's weird to think of Jurassic Park, PG-13 movie as a family movie, but that's uh, sometimes different, that's time. different times. That's great. I remember
1: those days. Oh, boy. 93.
0: <laughs> missing it. <laughs> well, we're not missing it too much because we are doing talking about the movies from 1993 for the first part of our show here. So, Peter, why don't you begin by telling us one of your picks for favorite movie from 1993?
1: okay so starting with the third uh i was having trouble with this because even though a lot of directors or actors i love such as the sandman sandler uh (laughs) had been in a lot of works in the 90s 93 just didn't seem to have i think a lot of people knew about jurassic park and the competition so the only one there is uh conehead so uh (laughs) i had a lot of i had a lot of difficulty picking a favorite um but uh, then I noticed there's a lot that I loved when I was first born 94 and that I saw when I was young and that played a huge role in just my enjoyment of fictional around. Uh, so number three, the secret garden uh, mm-hmm. by director Agnieszka Hollands, uh, 1901. Uh, just fictional look at uh, someone in a secret garden and uh, <laughs> a sickly kind of rich, rich, rich dude and kind of a, a romance and a, uh, you know, a fusion of that and imagination of the garden. It's honestly just a huge uh, look into gardens and how awesome they can be. And I just personally love the uh, English old countryside vibes uh, just all around. Uh, and a lot of the kids books that I read that I had read to me and that my mom is a librarian at the university deals with like the curations and such mm-hmm. uh, is this old 1900s book. Uh, English literature and just the depiction of that era uh, all around and uh, the secret gardens does that well. And I love it. It's also just nice and I'm glad uh, to include it because Agnieszka Holland, uh, a woman, right. And especially Mm. back then, that was uh, a lot more, a lot more rare. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a a lot. So I, I, I'll admit it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I still have visions of the garden itself and the uh, paraplegic individual hanging out with his, is Shadi, who he loves uh quite a bit it it comes in my dreams a lot there's a lot of secret garden (laughs) in my dreams and in my heart absolutely so yeah number three the secret garden
0: interesting uh yeah i was just looking at it here um on the wiki uh francis hodgson burnett wrote the original book of course um caroline nobody
1: notice. When mm-hmm. it comes, nobody nobody really have noticed when it comes to the main actors, but yeah, oh my,
0: yeah, she, Maggie uh, Maggie Smith's in it. Maggie yeah. Smith, day eh, Maggie Smith. But what what I find interesting is uh, a screenplay by Caroline Thompson, who uh, also co-wrote Edward Scissorhands and The Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh, Roger Deakins cinematography, or he he co-cinematographed it uh, with Jersey uh, Zelinski. Um, so maybe that was a situation where one of them replaced the other. I don't know, but, uh, yeah.
1: no, it was a phenomenal. And I always, um, in our bookshelves, we had the, the book as well. So I always,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it's just always been a strong presence. So I'm glad that it was 93, even though there was no Sandman picks. <laughs> it had the secret garden. It almost makes up for that.
0: Yeah. That was a couple of years before Adam Sandler, uh, made his way i mean but even before he was like doing uh, supporting bits and like airheads and things like that mm-hmm. uh for for my first pick i have something a little bit different <laughs> uh it is called alive and it is based on uh also based on a book but it's based on a true story piers paul reed's uh book alive the story of the andy survivors it's about a uh uruguayan rugby team that crashed into the Andes mountains in October, 1972. And, uh, I think it was 60 some odd people, um, were on the plane, um, when it crashed into the mountains, uh, I think I can't remember exactly. But it, it, it was like a foggy, they were passing over the mountains. There was fog, there was weather, turbulence and things. And, uh, they just, uh, basically slammed into the mountainside. Um, so there was initially a, a fairly large group of survivors, about thirty survivors. Um, they uh, struggle to survive because they're out there on the mountain in the elements, the snow, the cold. Um, they do their best. They run out of provisions, and of course, this is the controversial bit of the story: is that they do eventually have to resort to uh, cannibalism. They do start eating the remains of the people who died. Uh, it's treated very, very respect respectably in the film. Like it's not like now it's time for cannibalism. It's it's an uh,
1: appropriate slow burn. It's an appropriate slow yeah. burn. Right. It it's, actually the, the, the cannibalism I believe it's kind of it's it's the peak. It's around the same time that uh, the traveler has mm-hmm. sort of discovered that they can escape. Right? It's it's at a mm-hmm. good it's at a good timing. Like you said,
0: it's like yeah, there it's like if we're going to get off this mountain, we kind of have to do it ourselves. And that's when they send out like the first like search party to try and find the tail where the radio is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what's interesting about this film um, obviously, besides from the cannibalism is uh, the talent involved. So you have Ethan Hawke, uh, Josh Lucas, Yuliana Douglas, uh, Danny Nucci, Canadian actors like Bruce Ramsey and David Corbett. Um, obviously none of them are, uruguayan but um that's not uh uh an unusual thing in the 90s for these sorts of stories um but it is a stacked cast Uh, they're all british in the secret garden i'm just (laughs) saying (laughs) touche um john patrick (laughs) shanley wrote the screenplay um he wrote the screenplay for doubt uh which was also based on his play and moonstruck as well um there was also this, uh, Alive, he wrote the screenplay for. He wrote the screenplay for another film uh, from the Crichtonverse, verse, I guess we can call it uh, Congo. Um, which he also worked on with director, the director of this film, Frank Marshall, who is, of course, one of the producers of the Jurassic Park franchise, including Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, there was a period in the 90s where he was trying to get his directorial ambitions up and going. So he directed uh, Alive. He directed Arachnophobia. He directed Congo. And he, he did a couple others before he went back to, uh, I, I think, where his true talent lies producing. But Alive is a very <laughs> solid survivor story that uh, does not take survival lightly and indeed is is you know really embraces sort of the harshness of the conditions and how hard it was i mean it is something of a minor miracle 16 people came off that mountain alive yes that's the title um yeah, but
1: it's also not um there's so many films that are like that and just because you know it's it's they they were able to fight and, and, and deal with all that terror and mm. what they were dealing with. A lot of times they're Christian. It's a Christian film, right? Mm-hmm. They're a Christian film or uh, more of a family film. Like, you know, the one with what's his name and those 13 dogs he saved out in the Arctic or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So it was good to see through a live, more of a, a strong uh, drama, right? A biographical yeah. film that deals with survival with no
0: it's good. Christianity, it's, even though yeah. those,
1: there's nothing wrong with Christianity.
0: Well, I think they were also Catholic because they're from Uruguay. but I mean, yeah, it's it's a good, solid, dramatic survival story um, and uh, well worth revisiting. Anyway, uh, Peter, let's get to your number two.
1: Okay, so uh, first things first, mm-hmm. I watched Alive in like, I think, grade four, some teacher showed it on a snow day, <laughs> uh, you know, where we couldn't go out for It was ridiculous, but yeah, yeah. I absolutely loved it. So I'm glad you picked it. I probably would have picked it if I had remembered its name, but uh, brought <laughs> back a-, a lot of wonderful nostalgia of
0: cannibalism. You, could, when you I was couldn't 18. remember alive. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, for me, number two mm-hmm. uh, is you might have heard of it. Philadelphia,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Jonathan
1: Demme. I Maybe you picked it, you know, we'll find out um it's been a long time since i've seen it but i'm a huge biopic guy i'm a huge uh, denzel washington guy and tom hanks is you know he's cool uh so yeah philadelphia it's a win-win it's also a really great uh, look at hiv and aids something really serious right and uh even though uh, although still not enough we do have a lot of uh gay inclusion and in, you know current works um This was I wouldn't say groundbreaking, but it was phenomenal to see like a genuine uh, blockbuster biopic revolve around um, what, you know, gay men have to uh, uh, deal with and how AIDS affected them and what AIDS really is. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it also just all around explained more about AIDS because it was still being viewed as something like if you're gay, you get it right. But Mm -hmm. I think even though Philadelphia, of course, focuses on that. It focuses on that homophobic viewpoint, including other people, you know, uh, getting the HIV, other characters throughout it. And it's just, uh, yeah, a great look at uh, AIDS with phenomenal acting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I saw it, but again, uh, it's a blockbuster one, right? So I think it's phenomenal that it's a, a gay-focused uh film was able to make let's see 206 million dollars right mm-hmm. so, uh, i think it's good to just keep mentioning philadelphia too for that reason and to keep uh giving it the deserved respect that it garnered and i hope uh still does um and also because dental watched to my favorite part uh race race was uh, brought up a bit because i don't fully remember the film but it was uh you know, the race was, was kind of involved with the AIDS too, be more common and, uh, you know, a black individual. So it was good that they, uh, you know, dipped into that a bit, too.
0: Yeah, there, there's been a longstanding standing um, issues of homophobia in a lot of racialized communities. Um, but yeah, it's. Oh, it it,
1: it, it it deals related to that as well, doesn't yeah, it? Oh, okay. Yeah. OK, so that's, that's, that's what it. I
0: mean, because that you just know,
1: makes it that makes it even more spot that shows it's showing both sides. It's cool.
0: Yeah. And I think that's part of it too. There, you know, it's, there's something about Philadelphia. That's almost like quaint (laughs) Uh, in in terms of the way it kind of tepidly deals with issues of, you know, uh, equal rights, discrimination, um, you know, uh, Tom Hanks, has a the tom hanks character has a partner film played by i think it's antonio banderas and um you don't see a lot of like like obvious like obvious sort of romantic stuff going on between those two because i think there was still a lot of you know uh queer fright at the time
1: that's why i was saying yeah that even though it's something that should be remembered
0: it mm-hmm. wasn't
1: like a grant it wasn't it wasn't like a, a med step for it because of that. They definitely did. It was more. Um, well, there, there, there is, was some conservatism in it as well. Uh, yeah. There is the one scene, though, that's so when he in court pulls his shirt up and shows. Uh, mm-hmm. shows the eighth, that's that's some real leap right there. That's like.
0: Yeah, it's 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 yeah. an important reminder, just like how brutal this disease was. And, and yeah, I like but, a lot of the misinformation about it, too, because there's a scene where he goes to see denzel washington because they were like acquainted before the the denzel washington character takes up his case and uh they're shaking hands and he says oh hey what's been going on and tom hanks says oh i have aids and then he quickly like pulls away like it's just like this whiplash effect where he pulls his hand away as they're in the middle of a handshake yeah um it's you know that's I think that's, that, that's like a really great example of like the time capsule element of this film that re- reminds you of just like how, Well, how, like how, think- how harsh, like, you know, how harshly we treated people with AIDS and just how like leper-like we treated those people.
1: Well, that's because also, like I was saying, there wasn't enough knowledge towards it, uh, it the science around it, right? So, and I think sure. like you just, you literally just gave an example of how Philadelphia helped with that understanding for sure. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I I don't think there was enough um scenes where it showed just them, you know, like gay, sexual, related yeah, stuff going on, you know, as there would be in uh, a male woman uh, based film. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. I don't think yeah. that's the flip milk, side of it. Too. Uh,
1: milk makes up for it, right? But that's that's a while away still.
0: Yeah. That- I mean, it was also this was also the same year of Six Degrees of Separation, where there was also that thing where Will Smith plays a gay character who didn't want to be filmed kissing another man. And
1: Girl, I didn't know that. Yeah, I that's they, that. they used
0: a <laughs> they used a kissing double. If you watch that film, you notice it's you don't see uh, Will Smith's face as he's kissing another man. Anyway, uh, my number two again, something a little bit different um, is Fire in the Sky, which is a you know, a perfect little 90s movie because it's about alien abduction. Um, this guy, Travis Walton, he was out in the the wilderness. I think he was a logger. You know, he worked in the woods uh, with, with a group of friends and uh, or a group of co-workers and they were friends. Uh, but he gets abducted. He gets taken up into the ship. He is found five days later um, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, they're trying to sort out obviously while he's been missing five days um, it's assumed that his friends did something to him and they're you know investigated until he's found and uh, then his story is uh, told and it's based on the book written by Travis Walker about his experience and um, the recovered memories he had um, but it's also well, well it is also about like the, the abduction and the abduction scenes are genuinely horrific uh, what they do to him and you know like stuffing gross black goo down his throat and sticking stuff in his eye and yeah. and wrapping him up in this like membrane and the, the alien I don't know if it was makeup or if it was like m- puppet creatures that they built uh, but they are very frightening uh, the way it is staged it is uh, it, you know you it's there's nobody's joking about anal probes in this movie let's put it that way um but it's also uh like this deeply personal dramatic story too or like how he has essentially what we'd call now post-traumatic stress and how that affects his friends who witnessed his abduction but they're not sure they believe what they saw it's um it's an interesting movie and again the talent behind this too you have uh tracy torme who's uh, sort of famous in sci-fi communities because he was a writer on Star Trek Next Gen in the early years. He also, I think he created Sliders or he was like a showrunner on Sliders. Um, but also Bill Pope was the cinematographer. So, I mean, that's why a lot of the, the abduction scenes really kind of jump out in, in your memory. And I, I wanted to highlight Fire in the Sky too because um, the Shout Factory is bring is releasing a special edition of it on blu-ray in a couple of weeks i think this week or next week so um if you remember so it
1: has a a fan base okay because i'm not
0: gonna lie i hadn't heard about it but that's good no no it's it's like one of these series of like because there's fire in the sky but there's also like communion with christopher walken which are essentially like deeply serious kind of scary alien abduction stories that have a yeah it has a fan base for sure but um, unless you were, like, on the X-Files, Ulta Vista in 1994, you probably might have missed it. So. Um, yeah, well, I
1: was just looking through and the cinematography you mentioned. He did the uh, Lethal Battle Angel, which we reviewed. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought, you can say what you want about the film. I thought it was outstanding like, visually. So, yeah, I might check this
0: out. Yeah. Uh, and and I think uh, others it's, should. It's going to be easy to check it out because, again, Shout Factory is putting out a new edition. So, uh, yeah definitely look that up if uh, that is of interest to you but Peter what is of interest to me at this moment is what your number three pick from 1993
1: is all right so number one for me and uh this is uh, Philadelphia I would say is maybe Mm -hmm. you know maybe a better film Mm -hmm. but uh for nostalgia because this was my like favorite film Garden meant a lot to me this was just my favorite film and I really related to the main character mm-hmm. uh dennis the menace 1993 <laughs> i absolutely it's outstanding i um didn't even know it when i was a kid because i watched it a lot before back to the future but christopher lloyd is the is the homeless individual right i, I was yeah he's the robber yeah. yeah that's outstanding that makes sense why i uh love back to the future uh solely because he was in dennis the menace as well oh <laughs> uh, so was the name switchblade sam yeah i love it i love it i love the scene where they uh are just sitting together at a fireplace and they just i think share a, a hot dog or something and it's just, uh-huh. she's, just she's just chilling with evil old homeless switchblade sam
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: fine and it just taught me that even if they're a stranger or you don't know them they have a knife <laughs> they could be nice don't base it on stereotypes right <laughs> and uh yeah Yeah. It led Uh, to a lot of exciting adventures. No, I'm just any kids listening. I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) it was a great, great relationship that they held. I I just, I don't know. I love Christopher Lloyd and um, Dennis the Menace. I forget. I think he has like some siblings, but uh, they didn't get much focus. So as an only child, I did enjoy that.
0: Mm -hmm, And
1: mm -hmm. um, I think... And I swear, I, I swear to goodness, I think one of the reasons I do love and care so much about cinematography mm-hmm. and the just set design and everything is the flower, the flower uh, and its growth. Mm-hmm. that uh spread throughout the whole film it's just it's so beautiful and then when that full moon comes and the <laughs> flower blooms or does it you're gonna have to watch and find out but uh it's the yeah. biggest
0: moment of mr wilson's life this flower blooming
1: yeah uh but it's also like um secret garden and it's kind of fun when you rewatch it i don't i don't other than christopher lloyd i don't know any of these people right
0: I don't, <laughs> I don't know these people. um no it's uh, I remember Dennis the Menace, too, but I, I also remember because uh, of the there was a cartoon in the 80s of of Dennis the Menace. That was on oh, yeah. Yeah. Wobble, like every Saturday. Um, yeah. You know what's interesting about that? About Dennis. First of all, it's written by John Hughes. It was like during his like kids movie phase when he's doing like Home Alone and Baby's Day Out. The yeah. director, though, of Dennis the Menace. I know. It's oh, yeah. Nick, Nick Castle, who played <laughs> Michael Myers in Halloween, the very first Halloween. Yeah, um, I that, love
1: Halloween, but he's my director of Dennis the Menace. first.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. That is the I mean, that's that's the craziest thing about this. What of the other thing I like about this? I like I, I remember liking Walter Matthau as Mr. Wilson, but I rem- also remember there's a scene where Dennis is talking to Mrs. Wilson, where we get a mm-hmm. definite con- a definite confirmation that um his parents, Alice and Henry Mitchell, are definitely keeping the home fires burning, um, <laughs> as it were, where he goes into uh, Dennis. Is, Dennis explains how on Saturday night his parents go into their bedroom and take their shirts off is what I'm saying. So to make of that what you will. It
1: actually, uh, it's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> I didn't understand that as a kid, but it's like looking back, that's really nice. It's still a yeah. warm, strong marriage it's it's just, I, and it's dennis doesn't know how lucky he
0: is there right but it, it's just funny to me that you know john, john hughes works in a line where we get confirmation that bill and alice still get down yeah. um <laughs> anyway uh again i went for something a little bit different from dennis the menace <laughs> for my third pick uh which is swing kids um which is a largely i think largely forgotten movie from 93 but i think it should get a little bit more airplay. It's essentially about young people in Berlin in 1939. And if you know your history, there was some pretty funky stuff going down in Germany in the 1930s. And it is about these kids who go to these clubs where they swing dance and uh, their jazz music is being played. They've like sort of, taken up America these American cultural things and it it essentially becomes an act of rebellion because the Nazis are clamping down on things um the the two main characters are played by Robert Sean Leonard who a lot of people remember from house he was Wilson from house and uh Christian Bale who people remember from being Christian Bale um (laughs) (laughs) but they play uh two young men Christian Bale plays Thomas uh Robert Sean Leonard plays Peter they both end up in the Hitler youth. And um one of them, let's just say one of them leans pretty heavy into the lessons from uh being in the Hitler youth, and the other one um ends up becoming, let's say, a conscientious objector. And there's a lot of great performances in it. You get Kenneth Brana as one of the as the local Nazi. I forget what his Nazi title is, but he's like the local. He's a local head nazi um you also get frank wally too who has this uh great arc where he um he's definitely he definitely knows he's not going to do well in uh nazi germany and he ends up uh taking his own life in the course of the film after he's roughed up by um some nazi goons and they end up breaking his hand so severely he can't play guitar anymore because he's a musician at one of these jazz clubs and the, the end, the, the film ends, like, really bitter, bittersweetly with uh, Sean Robert Leonard and a lot of the other swing kids essentially being rounded up. You don't know what happens to them, but um, it, it essentially ends with the Christian Bale character. I won't say he sees the error of his ways because it's not like there's a scene where he rips off his Nazi patch or anything like that, but he definitely sort of comes to a realization that maybe he's chosen the wrong side. And you have to feel that the next couple of years are probably not going to be great for any of these people. But it, yeah. it's, it's also a great sort of look at how fascism affects people, like how you can be lifelong friends with someone. And then you both go to <laughs> Hitler Youth Training School and uh, one guy starts talking about how, ooh, some of these terrible thoughts you're having, maybe I should report you. And uh, his friend goes the, the opposite way. So Well, it just shows uh, how... Uh...
1: That's more common than you might think, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind yeah. of in a, a similar-ish way to uh, uh, American uh, History X, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, it's 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 interesting that you get this movie in '93 because it sort of presages a lot of that uh, American History X. Also, the it presages the full-on return of swing music in the late 90s. So like the Cherry Pop and Daddies and the Brian Stelter Orchestra, or Brian's Brian Seltzer Orchestra, I think it was. Um, so I remember that. I remember like Zoot Suits. I mean, this was around the time Vince Vaughn and John Favreau made Swing. You helped too, make so. it cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they helped make <laughs> it cool. It, and so, yeah, everyone was, the, the Zoot Suits came back and boy, the 90s were a weird time. <laughs> uh all right well let's i'd I like to say let's leave the 90s there but essentially our, our movie reaches yeah. all the way back to the 90s and uh well stuff happens let's put it that way yeah we're gonna come back with a review of jurassic world dominion after the break you're listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio
1: We gotta go. Gonna have to break a window to get inside that thing. Hope
0: nobody's afraid of heights. Don't, Don't move. And that was a clip from Jurassic World Dominion. It is the new film from director Colin Trevorrow, and it stars Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, DeWanda Wise, Campbell Scott, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill. Uh, those last three, of course, are uh, the stars of the original Jurassic Park, which was released in 1993. Uh almost everyone else is uh, well actually DeWanda Weiss and Campbell Scott are new characters but almost everyone else is returning champions from the Jurassic World section so uh, Jurassic World in 2015 Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018 I have many thoughts about Jurassic World Dominion Peter but I would like to start with your thoughts about the movie and and what you thought of it
1: Uh, I thought all around it was a pretty uh, pretty awful film it was (laughs) It was not good. Um, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm pretty neutral when it comes to the Jurassic world, but I I think this is and Jurassic Park series, but I would say this one uh, is the absolute uh, worst uh, by far. And I really did not like the previous one. Um, But this one was just, I think what bothered me the most, it wasn't even that it was boring like the ones prior. It was very cringy. It was very focused on nostalgia, which was cool like five years ago, but mm-hmm. now it can't be in your face to the exact same way. So, you know, Laura Dern, seeing the Dr. Alan Grant guy, it, it's just, <laughs> yeah, all the romance and just everything Jeff Goldblum said was just, <laughs> I'd already heard it from him. The um, it's, it's his one really huge speech lord during near the end is is awful it's like a monologue and it's awful and it's like everything we've already heard him say about the dinosaurs mm. and yeah so um uh, another issue for me is i was really excited because um unlike the ones prior which are pretty dominantly cgi this has more uh animatronics than the last mm. couple have and i'm a huge fan of that but um it didn't really It didn't really improve the dinosaurs to any degree, I think, a a bit when it comes to the you know, FPS, Mm. uh, whatever it's called the film, not video games, but (laughs) it's um, frames per uh, minute, yeah, yeah, it it, it wasn't great, it didn't uh, it didn't change enough in those matters. Um, Mm. I did also not like the Mm -hmm. Well I'll let you speak. But yeah, there was there was so much. So much I did not like. What what were your thoughts though? Because you watched the original, right? You've had uh, Jurassic Park more more attached to your your life, right?
0: I I don't know if it's attached to my life. I I like I I like the original film. Um I I would say that these films have been I mean one of the co- things one of the things (laughs) right one of the things coming out of fallen kingdom was like the understanding that these are essentially slasher movies now um and that goes like right back to jurassic park lost kingdom uh, or not lost kingdom uh lost world um where it's like these these movies are slasher movies except instead of like a guy with a knife you get dinosaurs um you see that in lost world with um the raptor scene when they go into the tall grass and the guy goes, "Yo, don't get into the tall grass!" and uh, the raptors take them out. Um, and then you see that in uh, Jurassic Park three, where they're in the, the on the island and the dinosaur swallows the satellite phone. And so you know, whenever you hear the phone ring, you know the dinosaur is close. Um, and then you know, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom is essentially a haunted house movie where the dinosaurs are the the ones haunting it, and just. It, it's 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 just been going that way ever since. One of the things I will say in Dominion's favor is that it didn't feel like a slasher movie.
1: <laughs> no, but they, they, you like you said they were going in that direction, and if they're going to do that, maybe they should have just gone full throttle in regards to that because like i said they tried to make uh, too much character relationship too much talking and that's and cringy, i mean cringy comments so i would have been okay if it was more just uh that's the problem is uh, that near the- near a horror even more so than the but it's because like you were saying earlier the first one it was like a family film right and i think they're mm-hmm. still trying to hold a bit of that together
0: mm-hmm. well i think the problem one of the big problems here is that there are two different stories going on and they don't tie together very well actually before that, what I will say is that I was confused. I, I, it'd been a while. <laughs> I, I didn't the first three, it'd been a while. And uh, I just saw the uh, first two of the world one in theaters. So yeah, mm-hmm. I was the, the, here's the thing. The movie starts off with saying, here's the problem. Dinosaurs and people are now living together in the same space around the world. How are we going to solve this? And we get to the end of the movie and we don't solve the problem. The problem still exists at the end of the movie, except we've, I guess painted a a smiley face on it. Instead we get this (laughs)
1: right
0: instead we get this entire uh, subplot about how they uh, they have brought back prehistoric locusts that are going to eat all the crops except one specific company's brand of crops. Now that is like evil I believe. I believe that there would be a company that evil that would do such a thing but nobody's coming to this thing for giant locusts Um, they're coming for dinosaurs. So to say, here's our dinosaur movie, now welcome our villain, Giant Locust, is
1: and <laughs> i would under, i would understand it more if they gave like a reason to why like well, maybe because oh then a lot of the dinosaurs couldn't couldn't eat the appropriate right amount but it's mm. we know it's more like a, a weird zoo sort of setup we know that they're able to to feed the dinosaurs themselves so like mm. you were saying just get artificial grass like fix it up in, in those matters you know it's it's <laughs> it's so silly it was so, it's it was so the, bizarre the, the, yeah, it was it was like, don't look up almost.
0: Right. It was <sighs> uh, I, not I, to it, that extent, but <laughs> it
1: was I it kept uh, bringing my mind in that direction.
0: What I will say is that the science is better and don't look up because the key to solving the out of control prehistoric locus is the cloned girl from fallen kingdom and the baby raptor and i'm not sure i understand why they need the clone girl and the baby raptor yeah I see solve... I trouble... the, it's the, so the, stupid
1: yeah the, the clone girl like the british, the british yeah british, it, okay see i i uh it's been a while since I saw the first oh, okay that's mm-hmm. that makes a bit more sense for me but i can see why <laughs> even it's, a more a Jurassic uh, present viewer like you was still confused. I don't
0: blame anyone for forgetting the girl from Fallen Kingdom was a clone because it was barely a plot point. It was like, it's literally the most interesting thing they've done with this franchise. It's like, well, maybe they was, you know, here's somebody who was already experimenting with human cloning because, hey, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they also they also undermine that with this whole subplot. It's like, well, the clone girl the, the, the woman she was cloned from actually like copied herself and impregnated herself with her clone. So essentially she had a mom who loved her and it's just like, Oh my God, please don't please don't retcon the one interesting thing you have done in this entire endeavor, which is presented like this, this sad man who cloned his daughter out of grief. It's just, it's, it, it just, it struck all the wrong notes. Um, for I this mean, film, for this film, I think there's a lot film. where that would
1: actually be a lot of fun if it was more focused on, um, you know, social issues and emotions and whatnot. But,
0: uh, especially I mean, it if we were saying, more of a yeah.
1: slasher direction, like they didn't need to, to
0: it, bring I mean, that in there, it, it could have. But, I mean, it just like th- these films just have no attention span, it's just they keep throwing new stuff in there and they bring back people who you forget were around, like Omar Zai. Omar Zai's back. Uh, for a minute it's like hey remember remember Omar Sy from part one he's back now isn't that awesome I mean and the whole thing with the villain uh, Lewis Dodgson who who no no one no one remembered no one would remember that character if it wasn't a meme like from the first film if there wasn't the meme of Nedry saying you know we have Dodgson here no one would remember that character but to bring him back and like, ooh, now he's the, the mustache twirling I mean, Campbell Scott is great as a villain, no question I mean, he's essentially playing evil Tim Cook But um, Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, analysis of it. <laughs> which, which is fine, it suits me fine But there's a scene near the end where you see the the shaving can from Jurassic Park the, the first Jurassic Park, the one he gives Nedry to fill put the specimens in um, and it's like why is that shaving can there? Because you remember from Jurassic park, Nedry goes off trail. He crashes. Uh, he's killed by the, the spitting dinosaur. I can't remember. It's dinosaur proper Latin name, but, um, and then you see the the shaving can get buried by mud. It sinks into the mud. It's like, so what am I supposed to believe here? He went to that Island somehow managed to find the spot. Nedry died. And then dug around just to find a freaking shaving cream can I don't think so that seems like you're insulting my intelligence like because I understand who this character is and where this character came from and where I've seen him before I didn't need this and it all seemed like a setup for how he he eventually meets his shall we say conclusion in the film which is incredibly an incredibly lazy callback
1: oh yeah the ending all around is awful it's just uh everyone having a nice laugh after you know crazy events and then (laughs) everyone's just in the in the airport they're just talking laughing oh such an adventure
0: it's just one of those really lame conclusions for a film it's just (laughs) yeah it did feel like the end of an episode of the a-team where it's like boy we really almost died there didn't we (laughs)
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: (sighs) yeah and that's another thing about this too um just the toothlessness of... Uh, <laughs> pun intended, given the about dinosaurs. But, um... Like well, the two- Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was also going to just say,
1: because one of the people at the end, ad- uh, Joanna Wise's character, right? She's a great actress. Mm-hmm. But it's just the character and the usage of it. And it's like that for so many of these people. So I, I just feel bad in those regards as well.
0: I was so mad because you get... You get, um... Ditchin Lockman in this film as like a dinosaur, like terrorist. I don't know what she like. I don't know exactly what she is, but she's walking around in high heels and leather pants, which is awesome. But the she people know ditchin Lockman has turned up in a bunch of like different TV shows. She was on Dollhouse. She was on Agents of Shield. Um, she's she's a real working actress. No one's no one has sort of found anything really good to do with her but when she turns up it's usually pretty interesting but she's in this movie for like five minutes uh she's doing some dinosaur stuff where (laughs) she you know she's got this laser pointer which activates these killer raptors which is i from what i understand is a thing that was introduced in the last film but then she's gone from the film she's just gone it's like you have this interesting actress doing something cool and then she's gone and that's the other thing about the 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 Dwanda Wise characters. like she's an interesting figure, but we do nothing with her because then we have to go back to, um, to the originals.
1: <laughs> they just don't have the grant. time for it. Yeah, it's
0: already like a bit over two uh, two twenty. I think this out. This movie is two hours and thirty minutes long. Good God! Yeah, it um, was ridiculous. <laughs> And there's this other character, Ramsey, um, who is like, I, I didn't understand what his role was in the company because he's kind of, he's introduced and he's basically showing Grant and, and, and Ellie around. And then, but later it's like, he's kind of like the vice president of the company or something. And yeah,
1: it's like, he's just kind of a, a tour guide, almost someone who just has a bit of information to help them. But, and then he's like does he own a, a company like is
0: he, the, <laughs> it's, is he like it's, above all of these others like is he... it's crazy because there's a scene near the end where dodgson he ramsey is there with dodgson and i'm this is a kind of a spoiler but it's it's not much of a spoiler because you can see it coming from a mile away that ramsey is kind of like the deep throat that's trying to expose the the hinky stuff going on in dodgson's company um he he goes in and sees dodgson who's like frantically packing up his stuff so he can escape and they have this like this like face off where dodging's like you betrayed me i i'm so disappointed in you i had such big plans for you and it's like what none of this has been laid out he's been a low-level functionary until this moment where you are laying out this whole background this whole this whole relationship that you apparently the two of you apparently have that has never been referenced in the previous 120 minutes of this movie <laughs> maybe the boss never told him either and he just you know boss is lying man boss
1: is lying I won't admit he's the one who made a mistake
0: <laughs> it's just it's so bizarre um that, that that you know they have this argument about all this all their history together, which we never see and is never alluded to in the entire course of the film, it mm-hmm. is it is bizarre. But the thing, the other thing I was getting to was the plot armor around pretty much anyone who is in a villain um, or a, a, even like a low level villain. Um, there's a scene where <clears throat> it's a callback. It's a callback to the first movie where. Malcolm lights or he gets a a tree branch that's on fire so he can distract like the, 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 the super duper predator dinosaur. Again, I can't remember dinosaur names, but um, where he's waving it back and forth and trying to distract it so the others can escape. And then he, he turns it into a, a flaming javelin and gets the, the flaming branch into the dinosaur's mouth. I understand that this is a callback to Jurassic Park one where he, he lights the flare in order to distract the the T-Rex so that Grant can, can get the kids out of the car. But this is the thing. This is the point where Malcolm should have died, sacrificing himself so the others can escape. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He doesn't die. He somehow becomes an Olympic level javelin thrower getting the flaming the flaming tree branch into the dinosaur's mouth so they can all escape and i was sitting i was apoplectic i was like no that's not what's this is not how movies work (laughs) someone sacrifices them like it was it was the oh what's her name from Poseidon adventure uh shelly winters it's the shelly winters moment where the the person you least expect to sacrifice themselves for the good of the group sacrifices themselves so that everyone else can get away. That's the moment. But do they? He doesn't lean into the moment because we have to protect our favorite characters at all costs, and it is so annoying. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I uh, also I, I do. Uh, I thought visually that part was was kind of cool. It was, it was fun, but the, um, <laughs> the overall, visuals are what's
0: wrong with this movie.
1: <laughs> overall yeah well i I, the visuals aren't but another major one of of the other major issues i had was the land like the choices of land they pick the Mm. areas in the park for me there wasn't enough look Mm. at the uh broad hills you know that they showed in the first two and you know all the the dinosaurs jumping along in those areas and then underwater i uh absolutely love especially with you know atlas 2 uh you know or not atlas 2 sorry avatar 2 uh pumping up the you know underwater vibes again i was i was kind of mm. hoping for more of that but um there was the one uh Megalathon, i think was, is that the name uh at the end but uh <laughs> other, other than that there wasn't much um the one uh the one swamp scene i enjoyed too
0: i loved that that um, the swamp scene is good where she has to like where she's trying to crawl away as um I actually like that dinosaur, but it had like the long talons and it was it was kind of like feathery and things. But that yeah, was interesting. exactly
1: I I just myself, especially because it was like two two hours 20 minutes, right? We mm. uh I, I wanted I wanted a bit more of that. I wanted a bit more of just the uh beautiful look at the Jurassic Park. I know they already did that in the first two, but it's kind of supposed to be part of the enjoyment for all of them, right? <laughs> especially when technology gets better and better. There could have been more broad shots i think that's the main thing i wanted more broad shots of, of the landscape the park
0: i i that that is kind of one of the things that ticked me off about this movie because there was like commentary from trevaro and and um jay Benea, who who wrote the who who did the last movie was like finally we're getting the dinosaurs out of the park and we're getting them into the real world and then now we can really mix stuff up but where does most of this movie take place in a sanctuary reserve and like nestled in the italian mountains somewhere so it's essentially another park um but it didn't look like it it didn't look like because it looked like essentially it looked like vancouver i don't know if they shot this in vancouver but it it looked like the pacific northwest um but the the whole thing was like we're getting them out of the park oh they did shoot it on vancouver island i just looked that up Jeez louise um (laughs) but the whole thing about getting them out of the park was like now the dinosaurs are in the real world and we're going to show things and and how they interact and like you know actual places you may recognize but then it we, we we go to an entirely new park and it's almost like it, it just looks a little different it looks like vancouver instead of looking like hawaii um but that 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 was kind of like another missing opportunity because there are like scenes where you get like the dinosaurs like running with horses like in the like the sierra nevada mountains and there's a scene with like the brontosaurs walking with um, elephants across the savannah and things so it's like that's kind of what I thought this movie would look like instead yeah, we, get like whole, we get like a whole we get it's like hey we're building another park because that's worked so well in the previous five times we've done this
1: <laughs> yeah I'm curious how many more times they'll try that out before they uh, admit it's
0: not the appropriate path <laughs> okay we're gonna build one more park but then that's it Last time, <laughs> last time. I know I said that last time. I know I said last time. This is the last time. I swear. I this 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 is it. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Col- What's his name? We didn't even mention the director. It. Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. You, failure. Well, you know what? He started off very interesting. Like safety not guaranteed is a fun movie. Um. Oh, he just probably
1: got. He's you know he's been uh getting dominated by the. He's controlled by.
0: Whatever company it is, and I I understand why people hate the book of Henry. I don't hate the book of Henry, but I understand why people hate it. um And there's I I did I did actually read his like episode nine treatment, his Star Wars episode nine treatment, and it is rough, but it is easily better than whatever they were trying to do with Rise of Skywalker. So there is talent there. I just I don't think. Um for these like these projects that I I just, I'm not sure who's responsible for just how creatively bankrupt this all is. But I mean, it ultimately falls on him as the the co-writer and director, but there, there are, there, there were a couple of pieces before this came out. They had the, I can't remember what it was called, but there was like a six minute short of like a family on a camping trip that were, that are caught in a dinosaur attack. It's like the Battle of Standing Rock, I think it's called. And then there was the prologue that came out last summer in IMAX with the Fast, Fast and Furious movie that you can now watch on YouTube, where it takes place sixty-five million years and then flash forwards to today and and a dinosaur attack on a on a drive-in somewhere. Those two shorts have more creativity and more punch. Than the hundred and now I got to do math in my head. Hundred and fifty minutes of 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 this movie. It's just like you you he released these two initial nuggets, and it's like this is the movie that's coming, and you don't get that movie. And I think that's that's kind of where the fault lies. I mean, yeah, It 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 hurts. That's right, it hurts. It's just like it's it's just more of this creatively bankrupt legacy sequel stuff and it's I, I it makes me very sad that it's <laughs> made 143.4 million dollars this weekend yeah but, like it just came out i really yeah i hope this is the conclusion and there's
1: not a you know jurassic universe
0: sort <laughs> jurassic, of thing. you know what i might be attracted to jurassic universe if that if, if if it lives up to the name but i think <laughs> I, I i mean absolutely like 143 million dollars is going to make peace make people start talking about where this goes next i hope where it goes is to something more creatively fertile and preferably with something with less chris pratt because
1: um i oh yo honestly i don't think we mentioned him once he's hardly <laughs> yeah he's, he's, yeah he's in it an immense amount but like his lines everything he does is he's, just basic action star without the he's almost warmth a warmth non- and just great yeah. dialogue that you know tom cruise and other people
0: he's almost a non-entity present. in this which yeah I, yeah. I you're right. As soon as I mentioned Chris Preston, it's like, geez, we've made it this far and we haven't talked about the film's star, which should tell yeah, you everything.
1: No, no, it's Laura Jern and Bryce Dallas Howard that are more standouts. He really is just, yeah, he's there, but he's, he might as well be absent.
0: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Well, there that's it for we this week's them. show. Yeah, we got him in at the last, literally, you the, go, la- you literally, literally the last minute. Um, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. And if you want to listen to it again, you can find us on our website at end radio show.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the music... Or much of the music that you hear on end credits, just by looking us up on Spotify, search for end credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you on the proverbial internets?
1: As per usual, YouTube and Twitter, Mister Tarek. That's
0: uh, that's it. And as per usual, I'll be All back. You As per usual, I'll be back here on CFRU uh, Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. You can find my News and Politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca and stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall see you again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits. And we'll see you then you